right, so I want to start this morning by giving you just a little behind-the-scenes look at sermon preparation. So uh, when we started uh, this series before the summer, Mason and I sat down and we uh, went through and we came up with um, different characters we were going to walk through and look at as it pertains to being surrendered. And so we have a big, giant sheet uh, up in our conference room that we've written all these names down, and then we kind of narrowed it down to a few, and uh, we lined them up, and we put dates beside them. And so then after we got done with that, we went through and we looked at what are some of the dates that would work with my schedule in order for me to preach, and so this happens to be one of them. And so a uh, week before VBS, I decided, you know, I'm going to get a jump on this sermon, and so... I had, t- I had taken a picture of this giant sheet of paper and put it on my phone, and so I opened my phone, and I looked at it, and I saw a name, and so I immediately jumped into God's Word. Uh, I'm not so sure how I came to the name, which I'll talk about here in just a minute, but somehow I came to this name. I knew that we were going to be preaching about this, this child that became a king, and so I looked and I read, read the story, and I was struggling just a little bit to see how this guy was surrendered. But I said, God, okay, show me. And so we were working my way through it, and, and God really begins to show me a big picture of what he wants to be preached. And two days later, I'm sitting there talking with my wife, and she says, well, Josh, when do you preach again? I said, well, July 22nd. Well, who are you preaching on? I said, it's uh, King Joash, you know, the, the child that becomes... A king at the age of seven. And she looks at me. I'm not as familiar with that one. And so she looked it up. She Googled it. And she said, Josh, Joash was not crowned king as a child. And so, well, no, there was two Joashes. Joash of Israel, Joash of Judah. And so I'm doing Joash of Judah. But for some reason, that prompted me to pull out my phone again. And so I pulled out my phone. And I looked at this picture. And it clearly says, Josiah. So today, you're supposed to be hearing about Josiah. We're going to talk about Joash. (laughs) And the reason why is I did actually go back and I read Josiah, which I'm a lot more familiar with. But I tell you, the Lord kept pulling me back to Joash for some reason. All right. So whether it was my mistakes or the Lord's leading, we'll go with the Lord's leading. Uh, It may be Mason's bad handwriting. Uh, Either way, we're going to look at uh, Joash. I'm going to invite my uh, Brody. Could you come up here? Uh, Some of you guys know this young man. This is Brody. He is my youngest nephew. Uh, Pretty cool guy. He loves to play basketball, so I I love playing basketball. He's beat me several times now, like 72 to 50. He likes to play past 21 for some reason. Um, How old are you, Brody? He's six years old. So when's your birthday? Um, September 19th. September 19th. So here in a couple months, this young man's going to turn seven. And so I wanted to bring Brody up here for you all and us all to have a visual representation of exactly how old this seven-year-old looks. All right, so what do you want to do now? You want to know? He usually goes to Kids View. You want to go to Kids View? Yeah. Okay, all right. You guys go on. Go on, kids. You have fun. 
All right. So as we get started this morning, I want to ask you guys a question. How aware are you of God's work in your life? And we've been talking about this, this whole series of being surrendered and what it means to be surrendered. When I start thinking about how God works in life, to be surrendered to the Lord, you must recognize and respond to His work in your life. And so we'll be looking at Joash and seeing how God worked in his life and how he responded to that work. So if you would, turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles. We'll be in chapter 22 just to begin with, and then we're going to jump into 23 and 24. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a brief history, maybe a little confusing. Uh, We're going to go back and look at Kings to see how we got here. Uh, We could go further back, but I'm going to spare you that. We're going to start with King Ahab. Now, King Ahab was considered a wicked king. Now, he ruled in the northern kingdom. The the nation of Israel divided into northern kingdom and southern kingdom. And, And so Ahab was this wicked king. He provoked the Lord to anger. He happened to marry a woman named Jezebel, and they introduced the gods of Baal to the people of Israel. And it provoked the Lord to anger. And so they had a child named Athaliah. Athaliah somehow made her way into the southern kingdom by way of Jehoram. Now, Jehoram was uh, the son of King Jehoshaphat, who is a king who considered a good king in the southern kingdom. And did what was right in the eyes of the Lord for the majority of his uh, time as king. But Jehoram chose to go against that and against his father. And that might be the reason that he was led to this lady named Athaliah. Now they had a son son named Ahaziah who served as king for no more than a year before he was assassinated by another king. Which leads us to exactly where we're going to start at the beginning of Joash's life. So starting in chapter 22, verse 10. It says, Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal family of the house of Judah. But Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were about to be put to death. She put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Thus Jehoshabath, the, the daughter of the king of Jehoram, the wife of Jehoda, the priest, because she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah so that she did not put him to death. And he remained with them six years, hidden in the house of God, while Athaliah reigned over the land. So at the very beginning of Joash's life, we see that God intervened. See, God stepped in and saved Joash from being destroyed, being killed by Athaliah. Now, if you know anything about the history and God's promises of this coming Messiah, we know that the promised Messiah, Jesus, was to come from the lineage of David. And so God preserves Joash to carry out that lineage. If we think about that, Athaliah was one away from destroying the lineage of David. But God 
fulfilling his promises, demonstrates that he is in control. God stepped in to save Joash. Now I just want us to understand something. And you may be sitting here today, and you may have at some point in your life given your life over to Jesus Christ. And you can look back on that moment in time where you gave your life to Christ, and you know that God intervened in your life. That God stepped in and saved you from your sin, from eternal death, and from separation from Him. Maybe you are sitting here, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you today, you're going to hear about how God works and how God jumps in and intervenes in people's lives to try to get their attention so that they can know that he has provided a way for them to be saved. But unfortunately, we have people that are sitting in churches all over this country, all over the world, that have never given their life to Jesus Christ. And some, for decades, sit in church and never surrender themselves to the Lord, even though God is without a doubt at work in their life. So in either case, God is at work. He intervenes so that you can know just how deep his love is for you. Now, Joash was saved, and he was hidden away in the house of the Lord. Now, Athaliah was so wicked that they knew that she wouldn't step foot into the house of the Lord. And so they hid him away for six years. And Jehoda, the priest, over the course of that time, built up some courage. And it says at the beginning of chapter 23 that Jehoda had the courage and he gathered the commanders and the leaders from the city of Judah and the Levites and gathered them together and called them to come because he had something, someone to introduce them to. So they all gathered together. And if you look in 23, the end of uh, verse 3, it says, Behold, the king's son, let him reign as the Lord spoke concerning the sons of David. See, it was from the son that was from the lineage of David. He was the one that was supposed to be sitting on the throne. And Jehoda comes and presents this son to the people. And then Jehoda gives further direction. So we need to provide protection. And so they got spears and shields from the house of the Lord that was, came from King David. And they gave it to them so they could be a protection for Joash. Because Jehoda had a plan in place that at a time in which there was a shift change that was going to take place, they were going to introduce Joash to the people. And so they organized and orchestrated. They got everyone together, and they surrounded from the south and the north. They surrounded the altar to provide this protection because it was time for them to introduce Joash to the people. Jump down to verse 11. It says, Then they brought out the king's son and put a crown on him, gave him the testimony, and they proclaimed him king. And Jehoda and his sons anointed him. And they said, long live the king. You see, not only did, did God 
save Joash. God had plans for Joash. God had a plan in place for him to be king. I believe this about our God. I believe that God has a plan for each and every one of us. He has big plans. He has small plans. They may never mean you ever become a king. But God has plans for your life. And it's in God that we find purpose in our life. And so whether it's big or whether it's small, it's important. So I ask you this question. As you make plans in your life, do you look to God for his direction? Do you ask him, Lord, what is it that you want to do with my life? Because he ought to be the one that is in control. So they make Joash king. Guess what happens? The people celebrate. They're excited to have this king. They're running to the house of the Lord. There's singing going on. There's praising. There's trumpets. Athaliah takes notice. She comes down from her throne and she sees everyone running towards the house of the Lord. She gets there and what does she see? She sees a young boy wearing a crown, standing next to commanders, standing next to trumpeteers. People are praising him. She can't help but to tear her clothes and cry out, treason, treason. But Jehoda tells the commanders to go take Athaliah and anyone who follows him put them to death. Put them to death outside of the house of the Lord. And so they did as he instructed. They removed Athaliah and put her to death. And then Jehoda wanted to make sure that the people understood exactly who did this. Verse 16 of chapter 23 is really an important moment in the life of the people and the life of Joash. Look at verse 16. And Jehoda made a covenant between himself and all the people and the king that they should be the Lord's people. He wanted them to understand that it was God who saved Joash. It was God who removed Athaliah and they were to become people of God. And they were to dedicate themselves to God. The same thing should happen in our life. When we experience God's intervening in our life to save us, we must dedicate ourselves to Him and to what He wants to do in our lives. And so their response was this. They went out to the house of Baal and they destroyed it. They destroyed the idols and the altar. They even killed Maton, the priest of Baal. They were obedient and committed to following the Lord. And Jehoda gave further instruction to the Levites and said, You are to be in charge of the house of the Lord. 
You were to carry out the burnt offerings to make sure that the, temple, that the house of the Lord does not experience uncleanliness. And they did it in obedience. And then he gathered the captains. Jehoda gathered the captains, the nobles, the governors, and all the people. And they brought Joash from the house of the Lord down to the, seat him on the throne. And it says there at the end of 20 or 21 that all the people and the land rejoiced. God was working in the lives of his people. He was working in the life of Joash. Now in chapter 24, it says Joash, he was seven years old when he was placed on the throne. And it says that he reigned for 40 years. Now, when I read through this the first time, I read through the Kings, Second Kings account and Second Chronicles account. I came across verse two, and verse two, two for me was an attention grabber. It was one of those verses that really jumped out. If you read Kings or read Chronicles, it often introduced the kings as one of two ways. It says either that they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, or They did what was evil. Let's read verse 2. It says, And Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of Jehoda the priest. Now I found that interesting. And maybe a bit of a foretelling to the end of Jehoda's life. But I think there's something else that we need to pick up on there. See, God was providing godly instruction in Joash's life. We all need godly instruction in our life. We need people that are willing to invest in us. So I ask you this question. Who has God placed in your life to help you grow in Him? In order for us to grow, we have to have people mentors that are willing to disciple us to help us understand more about who he is and who God is. It's important to pay attention to those who God has placed in your path because he's placed them there for a reason. I have an interesting thing that happened just this past week. I was out east and uh, I was with Hallie and Kylie and we were out, out, out east and I noticed that the car needed gas, so being the good husband that I am, I went by Costco, and if any of you know my wife, she loves Costco, and so I went and got gas. I got real cheap gas there, and so I'm filling up, and doing just normal filling up, not paying attention a whole lot going on around me. I get back in the car, and I sit down, and... I'll turn to Hallie and I said, what's that guy's name tag say? So I think I, rec- I know that guy. So she told me his name. And I jumped out of the car. I ran over and I said, hey. He happened to be a guy that was in my student ministry years and years ago. At this point in his life, he had a full, full, full beard. He was wearing sunglasses. He was wearing the, the vest they're supposed to wear. 
I'm telling you, I would not have recognized this guy other than this fact. And I can't help but to think that it was God that did this. The day before, I got on Facebook to do something and, you know, fell into the black hole that it is. And somehow, this guy, we're not friends on Facebook anymore. Now, I don't know whether that's because he didn't like me. I don't know. Or maybe he lost his account, started new. I don't know what the reason is, and that really doesn't matter. But some reason, something about him came up in my feed, and I happened to click on it because I wanted to check and see how he was doing. And so I happened to look at his page, and I looked and got to see a picture of him. That's the only reason that the next day I'm sitting at the gas station, and I look at this guy who's head down sweeping. The only reason that I recognize him. We've got to pay attention to the things that God is doing us, the, the people that God has placed in front of us. And we've got to take advantage of those opportunities. I think too often that we miss opportunities to invest in each other. Now, in this case, Jehoda and Joash, there was an age gap there. We celebrate the fact that at Metropolitan Baptist Church, we are a multi generational church. We take great pride in that both the old and young gather together in this place to worship God. But how often do we miss out on the opportunities to disciple one another? We have this 500 breakthrough board for a reason. It's so we can be intentional about looking for those that God has placed in our path. We've got to pay attention and realize that God has placed people in our path for a reason. So if you've been a believer for a long time, this is the question you ought to be asking. Who has God placed in my life that I ought to be investing in? Who should I be discipling? Because that's what you're called to do. We're just called to build one another up in Jesus Christ's name. Joash had Jehoda. As his spiritual mentor, he was the high priest. He was the one that was going to guide and direct him to the Lord. So we see as his story carries on, as Joash gets a little older, he gets to the point where he can start making some decisions. And so we see that the first thing that he notices, he notices that the house of the Lord had deteriorated quite a bit. And so he calls Jehoda. And says, I want you to gather the Levites and the priests. I want you to go out and I want you to gather the money that we need in order to rebuild and restore the house of the Lord. As he says to them, I want you to go quickly. At the end of verse 5, it says, but the Levites did not act quickly. 2 Kings chapter 12 says that by the 23rd year of his reign, the priest had not made any repairs to the house that gives us a cue. He's around 30 years old at this point. And so he summons Jehoda and says, come on. I gave you instruction that you guys were to go out and to gather the money and bring it back so that we could restore the house of the Lord. Why hasn't it been done? So... Joash comes up with a different plan. I want, he says, I want you to bring the money that you guys have collected, and we're going to put that towards the restoration of the house of the God. 
Well, we're going to put a chest. We're going to make this chest, and we're going to put it at the gate of the entrance of the house of the Lord. And then it says that they made a proclamation in verse 9. A proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring in for the Lord the tax that Moses, the servant of God, laid on Israel in the wilderness. I want you to notice in verse 10 what, what was the people's reaction. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced, and they brought their tax and dropped it into the chest until they had finished. And whenever the chest was brought to the king's officers by the Levites, when they saw that there was much money in it, the king's secretary and the officer of the chief priest would come and empty the chest and take it and return it to its place. Thus they did day after day and collected money in abundance. So God provides. Joash got to see how God provided in abundance to restore what seems to be God laying on his heart, the restoration of the house of God. I believe that's the same, same is true for us. We as a church, as you know, are in a time of transition. I know at times it seems like things are going slow and we wonder when things are going to happen. But I believe that God has some big plans in store. But let me tell you, even when we think it's slow, God's timing is absolutely perfect. And at some point down the road, we're going to be able to turn back and look and see what God has done. But I want us to not miss this. That's if we dedicate ourselves to God and His work. That's when He provides. So we've got to make sure that our hearts are aligned with his heart. So they collected money in abundance. So Joash and Jehoiada, they, they uh, hire masons and, and carpenters to come in, and they restore the house of the Lord to its proper condition. They even strengthen it. The second king's account even tells us that when the money was brought in and the money was distributed to those that were doing various work, there was really no one keeping account of it. They were all accountable to God because they were doing his work, carrying on this task. They had enough money left over that they were able to make the utensils that were needed for the house of the Lord to carry out the services and the burnt offerings that needed to be done. And they did it regularly all the days of Jehovah. But now we see, we see something take place in Joash's life. Start with me in verse 15, chapter 24. But Jehovah grew old and full of days and died. He was 130 years old at his death. They buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel and toward God and his house. Now after the death of Jehoda, the princes of Judah came and paid homage to the king. Then the king listened to them and they abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the ashram and the idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. What a change. 
This is the part where I got to, and I said, well, how is this guy surrendered? I think the Lord has something to teach us. Because the first thing that I question is, did Joash ever really take ownership of his faith in God? Was Joash, was he so shallow in his faith that when these princes came and began talking to him, that he was willing to give up everything that God had done in his life at this point? Was his faith based on Jehovah? It's really not hard to believe because I've talked with people and I've known people who in this present day age put their faith in someone else. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a Bible teacher. And when that person passes or maybe that person messes up, their faith is broken. I've seen people leave churches after a pastor leaves because they loved his preaching and the way that he did it. They didn't like the new guy came in, so they leave the church and they don't return to another church. I've seen students walk through our student ministry who make the decision to not go back to church. And is it because their faith is based on the youth ministry experience? Is it based on the youth pastor? Is it based on their friends? I tell my students all the time that it's at this point in your life, when you're this age, that you need to take ownership of your faith. It's no longer coming to church just because my parents make me. It is your relationship with God. Did Joash, did he never get that? Then I also ask this question. Was Joash aware of how God had worked in his life from the very beginning? Was he even aware of it? So I ask you this question. Are you aware of how God, of how God has worked in your life? Are you aware of the things that he has done? Is your faith based on someone other than Jesus Christ? I think we need to remember God's work in our life. We've got to own our faith and base it on the foundation of Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way. And somehow, Joash missed that. He missed what God had done in his life. Now, God wasn't done. God was not done with Joash. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, he says, it says, Yet he sent prophets among them. To bring them back to the Lord. These testified against them, but they would not pay attention. Then the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehoda the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus says the Lord, Why do you break the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. But they conspired against him. And by command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness that Jehoda, 
Zechariah's father had shown him, but kill his son. And when he was dying, he said, may the Lord see and avenge. See, God gave Joash several chances to turn back to him. First, he sent prophets to try to get his and the people's attention. Then, he made it personal. He sent Zechariah, Jehoda's son, one of the sons that would have been there when they anointed him king, and tried to get his attention. Turn back. Turn back to the Lord. As we see, Joash did not remember the kindness of Jehoda. And he turned away from the Lord. And he killed God's messenger. See, God is at work. He continues to work even when we turn our backs on him. If you begin to drift away from the Lord, he will work to remind you of who he is and all that he has done for you. Now, I've seen this, unfortunately, I've seen this play out in people's lives. Someone begins to drift away from God. And God will put put up roadblocks, warning signs to try to get that person's attention. To remind them of who God is and everything that he has done for them. And some of them get so caught up. They get so caught up in the world that they don't even recognize that it was God that was trying to get their attention. God continues to work despite our shortcomings, our failures. He'll provide warnings and signs to get our hearts to turn back to him. And I believe that if you are surrendered to his work in your life, you will see God's pursuit of you. Now, Joash, Joash is an example of a man who had every reason to become a person who was fully surrendered to the Lord. From the very beginning, God saved Joash. God had a plan for his life, for him to become king. He placed him on the throne. He provided him godly instruction in his life. He did work through Joash. Joash saw God provide in a way that only God can. But somehow, Joash missed it. Somehow, he did not recognize that it was God that was at work in his life from the very beginning. See, if we're to be surrendered, we must recognize God's work and we must respond to the work that he's doing in us and through us. See, God sent Jesus. God sent his one and only son so that we would know just how deep his love is. He sent his son to the cross so that we could be saved from our sins, so that we could be redeemed. Romans 5 says God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. Demonstrated, poured out on the cross for you. And that's where it begins. I came across this quote 
from A.W. Tozer. It says, salvation is from our side a choice. From the divine side, it is a conquest of the most high God. God pursues his creation. There's a little publisher, I started reading his book, God's Pursuit of Man, and there's a publisher's little description, took a section of it. It says, not merely to assent to Jesus and go on our same old way, but to be conquered by the Almighty God and invaded by His Spirit. A saved person is a transformed person. You see, when God has intervened in your life, when God shows His work to you, we need to respond. And we need to respond to what He is doing so much that we become a transformed person. We should not look like we did before Christ. There ought to be a difference in the way we act, the way we think, the way we talk, and everything that we do when we surrender to Him. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for this message. I thank you, God, for the, the example that you set and what not to do through Joash. I thank you, Lord, for bringing your word to us. But I know, Lord God, that, uh, that week after week we can sit in a church service. We can hear your word spoken. But to be honest, if, if it doesn't change us, if we don't walk away from this place different, have we really truly encountered you? We know that your spirit works in wonderful and amazing and powerful ways. And I ask, Father God, that if there's someone here today that does not know you, Lord, that you would just grab a hold of their heart. I pray for the believers that are sitting in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would grab a hold of our hearts too. That you would do something amazing in each of our lives because we are willing to be surrendered to you. That we're not going to be a Joash. We're not going to recognize the way that you have worked in our life and not respond to it, Father. Draw our hearts to you so that we can be made new because of what you have done in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray.